0: Start reading verse 6. And we'll read down to verse 10. It says, Let every, excuse me, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit uh, uh, reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for a new season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Dear Lord, we come to you this morning and we thank you for Jesus Christ and we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the Church of God. We thank you, Father, that you uh, have given us the Spirit of God to guide us and direct us in our worship today. We thank you, Father, that you have given us spiritual life and understanding for those who are yours. And Lord, we thank you that you have given us this Word to be able to not only feed upon, but to also glory in, in the Savior uh, of our souls, Jesus Christ. Lord, we just pray that you would be with us today. That you would assist us. That you would give us the ability to understand, the ability to uh, speak, the ability to uh, discern these things that is before us, Lord. But most importantly, we pray that we would honor and exalt the Lord Jesus Christ in everything that we do. From the singing that we just finished, Lord, we are so uh, moved by the words of many of these old hymns with their doctrinal richness. And so, Lord, we just thank you for preserving those songs for us to be able to sing unto you. And, Lord, we just thank you so much for the uh, Word of God to be preached. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help me this morning to uh, to preach and to speak those things which are in accordance to your word, and all these things we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Yes. All right, Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. Now, if you remember, we just looked at verses 1 through 5 in these last couple of weeks, And we see Paul here is moving uh, into some uh, uh, admonishing type things. He's been moving into uh, applicable things of the things that he talked about doctrinally uh, at the beginning of his letter. Um, And in this application portion of his letter, uh, we have looked at the last few weeks that we are to be meek and lowly in spirit, and those who are trespassing against God, and specifically, as we see here, in believing that they can gain a righteousness for themselves by law keeping through keeping the law that God gave Moses, uh, that these things uh, uh, is what gives us a righteousness before God, either to get saved or to stay saved or to stay in God's favor, and all those things. And that was an error that these believers were uh, were uh, uh, were being bewitched by. And uh, Paul has been admonishing them on these things. And in verse 1, he says, If any man be overtaken in a fault, uh, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. And so we are to be always uh, preaching and, and teaching the gospel. But part of that... Is defending the faith. Part of that is uh, communicating the gospel. Part of that is to uh, pass down that which was handed. The Bible talks about that God has, or that Christ has, once for all um, uh, give the the body of faith, uh, the the doctrine of Christ uh, to the church, and He is uh, uh, He given that to us to keep. And as we, every time we preach, every time we teach, our uh, goal in all that is to continue to perpetuate the gospel and the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And that's why from Jesus all the way down to today, uh, his church has not uh, been overtaken by Satan, has not been overtaken by the world system, that it continues to thrive and grow even amongst persecution, even amongst uh, hardships and bad times and poor times and the Church of Jesus continues to uh, gather together to preach and to encourage one another in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, the way that we, uh, the way that we uh, serve one another, or the way that we restore one another, is by maintaining that pure doctrine that was given to us. Uh, the The faith once delivered to the saints that was given to them has been perpetuated by faithful churches preaching the Word of God, teaching the Word of God, communicating that to the other people. And, uh, and that is a good thing because that is the building block, if you would, of fellowship. If you remember, I've said it here many times before, that whenever the Bible talks about fellowship, that we fellowship one with another, that, uh, that we are together as a church. And, and if you remember, one of the things about coming to church and worship is not only to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ to exalt God and to worship God for who he is uh, and to preach the gospel but it's also to fellowship with the brothers and sisters in Christ and it, as we've seen the way that we serve one another the way that we um, fellowship with one another the way that we love one another is by the communication of God's word the communication of the faith once delivered to the saints, that body of doctrine, the doctrine of Christ. These are different ways the Bible talks about this. It's a body of doctrine. It's a body of faith. Whenever we say faith, a lot of times everybody's talking about, you know, this belief or this trust uh, in Christ. Uh, however, the word faith is also used as a body of doctrine. And a lot of times the Bible uses that uh, that wording that uh, this body of doctrine is considered the faith and so the Bible says that, that there has been a faith that has been once delivered to the saints that's a body of doctrine that's the doctrine of Jesus Christ because we know that everything that's in the word of God uh, is uh, centered upon Christ as we just sang in that hymn just a few minutes ago and so Paul here is saying that in meekness uh, we are to restore one another whenever there's one in a fault who is, who is preaching or teaching or adhering or following after something that is or being de- uh, deceived by something uh, that is not part of that body of doctrine that was once delivered to the saints. That thing that Jesus taught, that thing that Jesus gave to the church to instruct, and remember Jesus said that we are to uh, make disciples, baptize them, and then to teach them all things whatever he has commanded that body of doctrine that was given to us, and as each church perpetuates, as people preach, people gather, people uh, begin to uh, uh, become a church, and they begin to preach and teach and to minister from within themselves... That is around the body of doctrine. So all that we do, everything that church has to do with is all around proper doctrine and service to Christ Jesus. That's why we meet together. That's why we even fellowship together. Now it's good to eat. It's good to talk about things and even carnal things that are uh, that are just, you know, everyday life things. It's good to talk about those things too. Uh, it's encouraging to hear your, your job's doing well. It's encouraging to hear that, you know, your family's not sick anymore or something like that you know it's good to hear about that in the fellowship and talk about that and have camaraderie and everything but brother, whenever it comes down to it the core essential of fellowship in the church is through the word of God is by the word of God it's around the word of God that's why it's so hard for those who are truly not saved and those who are have, have lived their lives outside of what true church is all about. Uh whenever they live like that outside, they don't realize what fellowship is all about. The fellowship of a child of grace is around the gospel. That is something that the spirit is producing in them is is this desire for God's word, desire for exaltation of their savior, desire to hear God magnified in his sovereignty, in his salvation in his justice, in his wrath in his mercy to hear these things uh, expounded is what the heart, is what the mind is what the soul craves in the child of grace therefore whenever we come together we desire to communicate these things back and forth I read a verse a few weeks ago uh, that said, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Uh, tell the people, uh, tell Israel what the Lord has done for them, that their sins have been taken doubly, uh, have been dealt with doubly. Listen, th- this communion we have together is always about doctrine. Now, why do I go through all that? Well, Paul has been saying, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, verse 2. For if a man thinketh of himself something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. As we see here, to bear one another's burden, is, as we talked about, is to come alongside of them whenever they are in this trespass, as they're being led away or led astray by this wrong teaching, that we who are spiritual, who are looking to Christ, and as I said, particularly in context to this letter, it's about the law of Moses and thinking and going back under the law for righteousness' sake, For those who are being overcome by this thing, you who are spiritual, you who are walking in the Spirit, who are walking in the light, who is walking in truth, who is walking according to the Gospel, believing the Gospel, all these things refer to trusting in Christ for your righteousness. Then come alongside those, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we show forth our love by properly taking doctrine, the teaching of Christ, and in meekness, bear each other's burden. The one who is in trespass, reprove and rebuke. That's how we uh, bear that burden. Come alongside in prayer. Come alongside in, in encouragement. Come alongside in admonition to to rebuke, to warn. And see, that's the problem with so many things, with so many people today. They think that when somebody comes and takes the the principles and the and the admonitions and the commands of God in the Scripture. And they try to warn people about that, that, you know, whenever you oppose these things, you know, you're opposing God. You're opposing what God's Word says. And if you are, are professing to be a Christian, uh, this is where we get our authority. This is where we get our uh, rule of life, is through God's Word. This is where we understand uh, the things that God has revealed. And uh, so whenever someone is erring from that, we who are spiritual, who are still looking to Jesus, looking and knowing that there isn't anything that we can do of our flesh to to please God whenever we are erring from the scriptures and beginning to believe philosophies and things of this world. You guys, it's easy to watch TV and watch the news and to watch all the programming that they've got. I mean, we all like to watch TV. We all got our programs that we like to watch and everything like that. But it's always, always, always pushing the world system. It's always pushing evil. It's always pushing satanic things. And I mean, that's in everything that we watch, no matter what it is, whether it's a Hallmark movie or whether it's something else, it's always pushing things that are contrary uh, uh, to uh, right thinking. And so we have to be discerning. We have to know God's Word and know what's a lie and what's not a lie, what's truth, what's not truth and not to let those things be affecting our minds but that we are letting that and i'm not dogging tv i watch about as much tv as anybody can watch but um you know i'm not uh, i'm not uh, glorifying it either uh but yet we have to train our mind well the way that we do these things is through god's word and so when someone comes alongside of us whenever we are trespassing or whenever we are, um, are, are being pulled away, as we see here, uh, one who is um, uh, under, overtaken by a fault, when someone comes in love and tries to bring you back to right thinking on those things, you know, it's not hate. It's not hate. And Paul says here, he says, "...bear you one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of God." when we are doing that we are actually showing the biblical form of love that's how we show that and then Paul said as we ended up last week he said but let every man prove his work and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another for every man shall bear his own burden and now today we go right in and Paul and and, and this is what's weird I, I don't know I mean I used to think this too I used to preach it this way um, and just about everything that I read from anybody that had a, a comment about this thing, all, just about every one of them believed the same thing. That Paul now goes right in from verses 1 through 5, and actually everything before that in the letter, but goes right into verse 6, and says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good thing." Aha, there you go. There's where preachers' salaries are in the Word of God. There's nothing wrong with with a, having a salary for preaching God's Word for being a pastor. That's why you got, that's why you got to have a pay pastor salary, okay? And people use this verse as a proof text, and it's just it's it's not proof of anything as far as what they're saying. That aha that. The tithe is still in effect, and you need to pay your pastor. That's what this verse is usually used for. Well, brethren, why would Paul all of a sudden go from everything he's been talking about, and most people preach it that way that this is about paying your preacher what he's due, and that in doing that, uh, you're going to have to take up tithes because that's where we pay the preacher. With the tithes, but brethren, and I'll just say I do not believe that the Old Testament tithe is in effect for the New Testament church. I still believe in giving. The Bible does teach us to be giving, to be generous, to uh, to uh, uh, to not be stingy. It does talk about that God loves a cheerful giver, and it talks about how we are to uh, uh, liberally give. To the gospel and the uh, service of the gospel. But, brethren, this whole thing that a pastor is hired and then you pay him a salary and that he has a salary, and just like every salary, you know, his performance depends on whether or not he gets more salary or whether or not he gets the boot and another one comes in. You know, that's not what this is teaching at all, brethren. Why would Paul go right into that? after teaching everything that he's been teaching this has got to be talking about something more than paying a pastor now I will say this the Bible does teach that those who preach and are the ordained people of God that have been called unto this ministry and everything that, uh, that the church ought to uh, do what they can to take care of him, I'm not saying pay him a, salary, a set salary I'm not saying I mean, it doesn't even have to be in money. They, they can buy him food. They can help him with his bills, cut his grass, do whatever the case is, to help the person out because he spends his time in the, uh, in the ministry of the gospel and he spends his time in the study of the gospel and they communicate those things. But as we'll see, um, I believe this thing is talking a little bit more about money. Okay? So while there is a precedence in the scripture about taking care <coughs> the pastors issue should never be that well I'm sorry I'm just going to have to find me another church if you can't pay me this much you know there are preachers that uh, that they believe that they are owed a house to live in or if not that then they are owe, uh, owed a house allowance and then they are to you know Give a certain amount of money, I can only you know I have to have this amount, you know, I got this many kids and you know, I can't do this for free or anything like that. Well, absolutely you can do it for free. Absolutely you can. Is it a ministry? Have you been called to minister? Have you been called to be a salesman? Have you been called to ministry or have you been called for into some kind of entertainment or some sort of a, a counselor or something like that? Those people get paid. Okay, those people get paid. Matter of fact, the Bible says that a man who preaches and he'll only preach for money, <clears throat> if he if the price is right or if he even gets something, that man's a hireling. That's what the Bible calls him. He's a hireling. Preachers ought to preach because they've been called of God, and whether or not they have someone support them to do it, then and if not, they support themselves. Paul did this. So, what does this mean? If it doesn't mean pay your preacher, what does it mean? Well, brother, I'm not saying it doesn't completely not mean that. I do think that we ought to, if you're, uh, as a church, that we ought to communicate unto the one who teaches, unto the one who pastors. I believe that we ought to communicate things uh, to them to help them and bear their load uh, uh, as it pertains to carnal things, temporal things. But let's read this once again. He says... But let every man prove his own work and then he shall have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another but every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap reap life everlasting now let's just stop here brethren and just kind of think of what Paul's been saying he's saying that we need to come alongside of each other that if somebody's in the trespass that we who are spiritual have spiritual discernment see these things not saying that we're spiritually perfect saying those who are spiritual those who have their mind right in thinking on God's word in, in the authority of God uh, working off of God's principles coming alongside of them those who are trusting Christ alone, those who know the truth and see that there is error here, they are to come alongside and they are to bear those brethren's burdens with them and communicate unto them the truth. And in doing so, that shows their love. This is the communication that I believe it's talking about here. It's talking about communicating this love relationship within the body of Christ, this love relationship of holding God's word, holding each other accountable by God's word, that we are to love each other enough to come alongside whenever we're wrong and to correct each other and to and to not scorn each other and to look down our nose at each other, point the finger at each other, but in love address it and correct it and rebuke it and, and and then seek God and given repentance to the heart of those who are being drawn away. And so whenever somebody who has been in the error of their ways, as the context here shows, the one who has been overtaken in a fault has been taught or has been communicated the gospel or the truth by somebody who is spiritual, and I'm not saying that as, a, as this is a platform... The spiritual man is the man of God who is the ordained minister and all like that. No, I'm talking about anybody who is spiritual because this whole admonition is for everybody. It's not just the pastor. It's for everybody. So ye who are spiritual, that person that, that sees, hey, this brother's coming in error and I need to come alongside of him. If I love him, I need to go alongside of him and, and tell him, you know, warn him he's going the wrong direction and come back this way and this this is what the... This is what the Word of God says. Come back here. That is communicating to that brethren the truth, communicating him God's Word. And so thus, he has been communicated that love from that brother, that service from that brother. And so those who have been communicated uh, good things as far as the Word of God, as far as the righteousness of Christ, the Gospel, all these things, those who have been communicated themselves They ought to communicate to the one who did it. What what do I believe this thing is talking about? And it really doesn't matter what I believe. It's what God's word say. What I understand this to say is that this is talking about communion. It's it's fellowship. It's good for those who are being taught of God and the ministry of the person that is teaching uh, not just the Holy Spirit. We know that's the one who teaches us but the person who is continually bringing forth and declaring God's word before, uh, before you, that is good. And fellowship is 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 centered around that reciprocating that reciprocating communication of God's word. See, I need to hear it just as much as anybody else needs to hear it. I need to hear God's word. I need to be preached to. I need to be corrected and rebuked whenever I'm wrong. See, that's why I always leave open a, a, a place in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the meeting where if anybody, at, after I've preached, does anybody have any questions? Does anybody have any comments, any corrections or rebukes or anything? I'm not just saying that to be funny. I, I'm saying that because the Bible tells us <laughs> that we're, we're to be held accountable to a higher standard because we are responsible of preaching the word of God to others as God enables us and so if we are in error we're not above everybody where we can't come and say you're wrong how many how many Catholics do you see going to the Pope and saying hey I don't agree with that I think that that's wrong how many of them even challenge them in the word of God well, probably not many of them because they don't really the only thing they believe about the word of God is whatever the Pope tells them they can believe about it but <clears throat> no we don't go and we don't take God's word and just say, whatever, you know. This is our standard. And if the preacher isn't falling and preaching after the truth, and he's going off into air, he needs to be corrected, just like anybody else does. And so we have this fellowship. Me and my friend J.C. Fulton. Whenever we get together, you know, things that that he's taught, I, I communicate. Hey, brother, thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you for. Uh, Talking about that, I had never thought of that point before, and you know, we communicate those things, and we have fellowship in God's Word. And hey, have you thought of this? Hey, look what the Lord has been teaching me in the in the Word of God here, and we communicate that to uh, our friends, and then they reap from that. They reap something spiritual out of that, and so in turn, what do they do? They communicate the same back to us. They communicate the things of God back to us. This is why I was saying last week is that everybody thinks that fellowship and everybody thinks that uh, that love is this ooey-gooey feeling that we get. Oh, I like to get around with my friends because I just like being together. You know, we have a good time when we're together. You know, we, we do all these things together. We watch these shows together or we sit around a campfire together or we play music together or we play video games together or whatever. <coughs> and we think that's fellowship. We think that uh, we think that love is whenever we just have this feeling, oh my heart goes out to them, or as the modern day term is, is, you know, i got good vibes for you today. You know. I don't find that anywhere in scripture that vibes do anything. That's New Age cultism, what that is. <clears throat> whenever we talk about fellowship and we talk about love, it's always centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to have that reciprocity here in the church. It shouldn't always be a one-way street. The pastor shouldn't be the only one that's communicating good things. See, that communication should be coming from everybody else. You know, there ought to be spiritual conversation. The Bible says that they spoke to themselves in songs and hymns and the spiritual songs singing to make a melody in their heart unto the Lord. They were talking, conversing, back and forth. The Bible says in Acts get over here to it It says in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Um, And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them, to all men, as every man had need. Now, there was a great need for those things during this time. This isn't a this isn't a uh, an admonition that in the church service, where everybody brings in your money and puts it in the teal, and we divide it up to whoever needs it, and everything like that. You know, they're not. We're not. To, you know, this isn't a deal to, that we have to sell all of our possessions and everything. Now, there are some people that actually believe that that you ought to live a monastic lifestyle, that you ought to divulge yourself of any any kind of pleasure, any kind of anything, you know, and to you know, not, you don't have to wear nice clothes, wear you know, the scrubbiest thing, the most basest thing, the most simplest thing, the most cheapest thing, you know, and everything. That's not what this is saying. Verse 46, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart which is good. We all like to do that. We all like to get together, eat together, and talk about the good things that's been going on, the things that we like. But it says here, praising God and having favor with all the people. Uh, So part of fellowship is worship. Part of fellowship is the declaration of the gospel. Now, why do I think that? Well, I think not only is this going along with Paul's theme, uh, and it's not this little offshoot that a lot of people think that all of a sudden Paul just kind of goes out of nowhere and starts talking about paying your preacher this is talking about the communication among each other so that there is a fellowship a relationship together enough to hey I can go talk to my brother in sin or hey I can listen to my brother who's coming to correct me because I know that he loves me right now how many of you now I'll just say this the majority of people, even amongst churches who, they go to church week after week after week after week, there is not enough of a fellowship relationship that they'll go to them and correct them. Because most people, they don't want to be bothered, and they don't want to have conflict, and they're not even going to go and say nothing to anybody. That's between them and the Lord. If God wants, if God wants to correct them, He's going to correct them. You know, This is the Holy Spirit admonishing us to come alongside of each other and to treat each other as we would want to be treated if you're going the wrong direction and you're doing something that is contrary to God's word wouldn't you want somebody to say hey you know you know if my son was about to go out there didn't know that I'd been smoking meat all day and came home and went to go put his hand on that thing if I yanked and grabbed that hand real quick he's going to be thankful eventually hopefully that I snatched his hand away from that hot stove, right? He didn't do it out of hate. He did it out of love. He corrected me out of love. Now, that's how we are to be within the church. If we have enough love for each other and relationship, we're going to be able to come together. So that's why I think Paul is talking about this, because he not only says it here in this context, and it bleeds on from the context previous but Paul's already talked about this in Galatians chapter 4 uh, verses 12-19 if you look there Galatians chapter 4 verse 12 it says brethren I beseech you be as I am for I am as ye are ye have not injured me at all now what is Paul doing here Paul is talking about his love between the, him and the Galatians remember the Galatians had this great love for Paul for coming and preaching the gospel to them communicating the gospel and then they reciprocated that, love, reciprocated that love to Paul. He's reminding them of that. Reminding them, cultivating their minds to think back. Listen, remember how it was whenever we were communicating the gospel back and forth to each other and we weren't broken up into our little groups and we weren't trying to go our own ways and we weren't trying to do it our own, on our own and trust in ourselves. Whenever we were looking to Jesus and all of us thought that, that right there, that gospel was, was enough for us to have hours upon hours of fellowship, look what he's saying brethren I beseech you be as I am for, uh, for I am as ye are ye have not injured me at all ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first and my temptation which was in my flesh ye despised not nor rejected but received me as an angel of God even as Christ Jesus <coughs> where then where is then the blessedness ye speak of for I bear you record that if, I had been possi- if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. So he's saying, look, this is how much you cared for me because of me communicating the gospel to you. Now I'm coming to communicate the gospel to you, but someone has led you astray, and we don't have fellowship anymore. And the reason we don't have fellowship anymore is because the thing that that original fellowship was built upon, the gospel... The true gospel, that catalyst or that uh, that thing that we were centered around has been moved. It's gone. You're now looking not this at the true gospel, you're looking at a false gospel that these men have come in and bewitched you with. And so now that you're moved over here, our fellowship is gone. You have fellowship with those men, but you don't have fellowship with me, the very man who at one time, if it could have been possible you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. And so Paul says in verse 16, and this is the question that that pastors need to ask, and any child of grace should ask any of their friends and family whenever they are preaching them the truth of God's Word, what God's Word says. It's not my opinion. It's not my religion's opinion. Okay? It's God's opinion. It's God's Word. It isn't what I think or some philosophy that I heard on TV or some new fad or some new wave of generation that has come through. And, oh, this is just this generation. This is how we do things. This is our deal. You know, anything like that, listen, it's God's Word. And so Paul here, he says, listen... At one time you loved me, you cared for me, we communicated the gospel together, but now you're believing a lie and whenever someone in love comes to you who is listening to a lie and tries to tell you the truth because of your deception over those lies, you don't have any more love for me. You don't have any more relationship or fellowship with me. You have that fellowship with the one who's telling you what you want to hear. You have fellowship with them and you find your comfort in them. But brethren, if it's not this, if it doesn't come around this, it doesn't matter what I think or what you think. It's what this thing, what this thing says. And so Paul says this, verse 16, look at it. He says, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Paul's saying we have great communication of fellowship between each other when I say communication, I'm not just talking about, talking about, whenever I say communicate, I mean communicate as in, impart, in, 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 I'm giving you something. And you're taking that, and you're receiving that to yourself, and you're saying, praise the Lord. That's truth as I've been taught of Christ. That's truth, what you're saying. Amen. And you're receiving that truth and everything. That's what communicating is. That's what it is. It's a reciprocal Uh, uh, declaring a reciprocal of uh, of delivering the message of Christ Jesus and his gospel between each other and Paul says this was going great with us you was receiving these things you was finding comfort in these things you was looking to Christ alone and then all of a sudden somebody come in bewitched you and overtook you in in this fault that you're now in and has washed you away to the point where now there is no more fellowship to the one who brought you this who was teaching you this and you was finding great comfort in. Now all of a sudden I've become your enemy and the only reason I'm your enemy is not because I am your enemy but it's because you view me as your enemy because your truth has moved away from the truth. See your truth is a lie according to God's word. Brother, you see how relevant that is today I mean it's not just relevant I mean this isn't actually talking about anything but look how relevant this is today I mean just here recently with everything that's going on with the with the wonderful news that it's going to be harder for women to be able to go get abortions and kill babies man that's, that's great every Christian should be rejoicing the very fact that this evil thing that has been put put on this country—listen, other countries—they don't have strict abortion, they don't have strict r- rules and regulations on abortion that keeps letting women have abortions. It's not as prevalent in many other countries, and in most countries, it's looked down upon and frowned upon. But yet, here in our country, because we've become so entitled, because we've become so woke that whenever we take God's Word and we apply God's Word, we want to find something else because our itching ears want to hear. That's what the Bible says. It says they gathered unto themselves teachers that tell them what their itching ears want to hear. They, their heart's carnal desire is for that. They're lusting after that. They want to have that. But God's Word says that's not good for you. You should not do that. Because it's not good for you. This is not honoring to God. This is not what Christ taught. And yet they want this over here. So whenever they hear this over here and they're being drawn to that, and now all of a sudden this right here is being preached to them. Now they don't like this. So they're gonna find everything they can against God and his people and his word that they can, even going so far as to misrepresenting them. See, we're not a religious group. The true church of Jesus Christ is not a religion, so to speak. Okay? It's not a religion like Hindu is a religion, equal with Hinduism or Catholicism or with, you know, Buddhism. All this kind of stuff. It's just not a religion to pick amongst. Christianity... God's people, this right here, is the only religion. This is the only salvation. This is the only God, the God of this Bible, as it's taught by and revealed by Him. This is the only truth. Nothing else is true. Buddha don't have truth. He might have some good sayings, but he ain't got truth. That is not truth. Hinduism is not truth. Catholicism is not truth. Them are all false religions. And listen, even within the umbrella of Christianity, not all people who claim to be Christians are following after God's word and is considered a true New Testament church. If they're not adhering to Christ's doctrine, they're not a New Testament church. <clears throat> and so Paul here is saying that whenever these people begin to be drawn away by their lust then the fellowship is broken amongst God's people because the people of God are going to be preaching the truth they're not going to want to hear the truth they're going to hear what their itching ears want to hear therefore the fellowship breaks and now what do we do? we find everything that we can to point our finger at we go back to the law well look at you you don't do this you don't do that you don't do this you know if I mention something to somebody come alongside them and love and correct them, they go, what about you? you listen to secular music and watch secular TV and have a secular this or that, you know what do we do? we start pointing our fingers at each other and saying you don't do the law as good as I do you don't do the law as good as I do is that not what Paul has been talking about in these two last two chapters he says but if ye buy and devour one another take heed that ye be not consumed one of another when it gets down to not being able to rebuke and correct and come alongside and love serving one another as Paul is admonishing them then it's going to come back to this the law how good you do the law and how better I do the law that's what it's going to come down to we want to buy and devour each other it's going to be a constant upheaval. There's going to be schism in the church. There's going to be division in the church. And the fellowship is going to be broken within a church. <clears throat> That's why Paul said, Take heed. That's why uh, in verse 1 of chapter 6, he said, Consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Be careful because, listen, you can be in the same boat. This could be you. So he says here, but let every man prove, or excuse me, uh, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. So Paul, he says, listen, I would have done anything for you. You guys have this fellowship with me. I have this fellowship with you. And now something has came and has changed that. In 1 Corinthians, he addressed this as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 14. Paul says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you brethren we're not trying to shame people whenever we try to correct them with the word of God it's not to shame at least that should not be our motive it shouldn't be our intent that's not how we ought to operate okay if we're going out to shame them then we're doing it the wrong way it says I did not write these things to shame you but as my beloved sons I warn you sometimes we warn in sarcasm right Paul used sarcasm a lot in delivering the gospel. But we, not, we shouldn't shame people, okay? We shouldn't be shaming people. It says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons I warn you. For though ye have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord. And it wasn't his real son. He, he's using a metaphor of father-son as those who was the one who uh, uh, taught and, and, and presented the gospel to one who began to believe uh, under the ministry. So, <clears throat> For this cause I send unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways. How was he going to uh, be a faithful minister to them in Corinth? He was going to be a faithful minister by doing what? Bringing them into remembrance of the ways of Christ. See, that's how he was going to fellowship among these brethren, was by communicating unto them the things of Christ. And they were to communicate the things of Christ back to Timotheus. He says, which being Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. So he's saying in every church, everywhere, I teach these things. He says, now, jump down to uh, chapter 6, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Corinthians chapter 6. Look with me at verse 11. He says, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. He's saying that our mouth is open to you. We're communicating unto you the gospel. We're communicating unto you the things of Christ. Our mouth doesn't cease to close into talking about the things of God among you. And he says, our heart is enlarged. He said, what does he mean by that? He says, our love for you is growing. As we communicate God's word for us, we're beginning to care for you. We're beginning to love you. See, whenever we communicate the word of God between each other, there begins to be a love for each other because of this. Again, going back to what I said at the beginning in my rough introduction, uh, that the communication of this gospel amongst those who feed off this gospel is a good thing. You know, we have, uh, our family, one of the things that we like to do is we like to go try out new restaurants, try different kinds of food. We like food, just basically. We like food. Good food. And we like bad food too, but we, we really like good food. And we, and we try to make good food. And so, food kind of becomes something that, that is a thing with our family. We like to go to restaurants that are cool that have different things. And and uh, I've all as our kids have grown up uh, and everything, we have instead of buying a lot of gifts and things for them uh, on their birthdays and things, I would let my kids pick on their birthday wherever they wanted to go to eat, no matter how much it cost. I'd take them there for their birthday. Uh, birthday dinner, as well with the rest of the whole family, not just the kid. And so sometimes they pick really nice places and sometimes they pick really really fancy places. but anyway, uh, the fact is is, is we had this fellowship around food during our birthday uh, birthday times. We take each other out to somewhere uh, that we want to go eat, and whenever we get there, we all try different things. We've never been to a restaurant before. What do we do? We all order something different, right? <clears throat> and then we pass it around. Here, try this. Try this. Try this. Try this. we'll try this. Try this. And so we're taking this food and we're passing it around. Why? Because we all are excited about food. We all like food. We all like different food, and we like going to cool restaurants. That is something that is very important to us. We like to do it. We drive lots of places. We drove lots of miles to go eat at certain places just for the fun of it. Why? Because that's our thing. That's what we like to do with each other. That's what we like to do when we're around each other and gathered with each other. We like to do that. Well, this is kind of what we're talking about here. Paul is saying, and, 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 you know, taking the word of God as the bread of life, Jesus Christ, the bread of life, he is the bread, he said, he that eats my flesh and uh, drinks my blood, they fellowship with me or have communion with me. Listen, this is what we're talking about. It's just like that. Whenever we come together as Christians, the communication of the things of God and what Christ has done for us ought to be the thing that that causes our love for each other to to enlarge, as Paul is saying here. What does he say? He says, <clears throat> um Verse he says, "Our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. We begin to we begin to love each other more and more and more, and, and desire to serve one another more. Why? Because we are engaging off of this thing that drives us. This person who drives us, Christ, and we're engaging in that." whenever we engage in that it causes a care and a love for each other why because that person is truly giving me something that my heart desires to hear see i can go to somebody's house and we can talk about football and hunting and fishing and uh uh cooking grill grilling out smoking meat all that kind of stuff we can talk about all those things and it's all right but it doesn't feed our souls But whenever we get around the people of God where we can talk about the gospel that truly sets us to flame in the the heart, then we can just talk and talk and talk. You guys always wonder why preachers always can't quit talking after church services. Well, that's one of the reasons why. It's because not a lot of people in the congregation communicate back to the preacher. The preacher desires to hear and communicate these things and have them communicated to him preachers like to preach to each other and so that's how they get it so that's one of the reasons why but Paul here is saying listen he says <clears throat> verse 12 ye are not straightened in us but ye are straightened in your own bowels now for a recompense in the same I speak as unto my children be ye also enlarged Okay, so he's encouraging them in this fellowship again and lastly, let's look at uh, uh, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Look, look at verse uh, 3, if you would. It says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Jesus, just the very fact of the the fellowship was so good with Paul and the Philippians that every time he thinks about it he doesn't say, man, I thank the Lord for them. I thank the Lord for them. Man, they always seem to encourage me. They always seem to help. They always seem to, to lift me up. They always seem to point me to Christ. You know, we have our churches that we like to fellowship with whenever we go to Coeta, and uh uh down to Mina and all these churches that we... That we fellowship with quite a bit and everything like that we desire to go there why because whenever we go there everybody loves us and they cheer you know cheer for us whenever we're down they pray for us whenever we have need they're they're, uh, all the time encouraging us Uh, and they desire to hear the communication of God's word and we desire to hear the communication of God's word from them so whenever we think of them you know uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing especially whenever we get to be around them at a Bible conference or a, a fifth Saturday fellowship or something like that we get to see them again we haven't seen them in a while Lord willing we're going to get to go down to culture, the Bible conference this year we haven't seen a lot of those people in quite a while now it's going to be good to see them we haven't seen them in a while and it'll be good to see them but more than anything it's going to be good to fellowship in the gospel with them you know Paul here he says, every time I thank you, you guys, every time I think of this church, I thank God. He says always in prayer uh, in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, see what the fellowship was in is the fellowship in the gospel. It wasn't in the fellowship that we all dunk each other under water. that's not necessarily the reason we fellowship. Okay, now that's definitely part of the doctrine of Christ and it ought to be adhered to and it ought to be properly uh, administered by the proper administers <clears throat> okay but we fellowship in the gospel now baptizing people is part of the gospel it shows the gospel but brethren we don't we don't fellowship because we're called baptists we don't fellowship because we're called sovereign grace Baptists, or because we're called primitive Baptists, or absoluters, or whatever you want, predestinarians, or whatever you want to call us, just don't call us Calvinists, please. Uh, whatever we are called, whatever people want to place a tag on, we don't fellowship because of that, we fellowship because we've been given a light precious faith. A light precious faith that looks to Christ and a like precious faith, which is the doctrine of that Christ. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense of confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. Not of Paul's actual grace. Okay? While they did experience Paul going and loving them and sharing the gospel with them, which is one of the most loving things a person can do to another brother or sister in Christ is to declare the gospel to them. Not necessarily that, but the grace that Paul preached. Paul preached sovereign grace. And they are partakers of that same grace that Paul loves. Paul loves the grace of God. The grace of God had had, had, had helped him, uh, that had delivered him from sin, that had saved him from sin. That, that grace that had elected him and had called him and, had, and and is going to glorify him. Paul was a partaker of that and so were they. They believed that they were of like precious faith. And so Paul loved them for that and it caused him. But you notice that word partakers of my grace, that word partakers there, is the same Greek word as Communicate it's the same Greek word as communicate back in our passage to communicate is to partake in are you partaking in the message in the gospel that is being communicated to you are you partaking of that meaning that you're receiving that for yourselves whenever we partake whenever we sit down we don't often sit around the table at at our house but like on Thanksgiving we'll sit around the table because Lori's made 10,000 things on there And what do we do? We take a scoop of potatoes out and we pass it to the person beside us. We take some green beans out and we pass that to someone there. We take some stuffing out and put it on. I'm ready for some Thanksgiving food now. (laughs) Some cranberries and we pass it around. What are we doing? We're partaking of this one meal together. And I'm taking, ah, yeah, that's what I want. And then I'm, given it to you. As I partake of it, you partake of it. We have a joint partaking of the same thing. We are joint partakers in these things of Christ. We are receiving them things and we are growing in the grace and knowledge of God because of the things that are being communicated and taught by the Holy Spirit through the brethren of Christ. And so here, uh, Paul is saying, he says, Even as it is meet for me to think uh, uh, this of you all because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and, and the confirmation of the gospel, ye are partakers of my grace. Uh, so back to, back to Galatians. So this is why I believe that this passage here that Paul is writing is not some tangent about uh, preacher uh, salaries. Let's go back and read it again and see what Paul is getting getting out of this. I had to go through all that and I know I might have been a little scattered. I didn't get much sleep last night and my mind is in a thousand directions today. But I apologize for that. That's the flesh in me and you could do no good. Um look at verse 7 it says be not deceived God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap so if we spend our time in carnal things fleshly things all we're going to reap is carnal and fleshly things if all I spend my time doing is watching TV and I don't spend time in God's word I want to I want to know The plot lines and storylines. I'm going to even be able to probably quote a lot of the movie lines and everything. But I might know everything about these shows that I watch and I'm going to reap that. But listen, brethren, that's all going to burn up. That's all going to be worthless. That's too poor. But if I spend my time looking at Christ and studying the Word of God and feeding myself upon that, and again, I'm not down in TV or radio or anything and I'm not saying, think we ought to be careful what we watch and, 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 and listen to and things like that but what I'm saying is that our minds are to be fixed upon the word of God and the gospel and that is the eternal things that we fellowship around so whenever we get together as a church if we're going to come to fellowship well let's come and fellowship in the biblical way and not so much in the carnal way and this is what Paul thinks is conveying here because that's what he's been talking about. He's talking about these people who need to be brought back from a fault and don't keep coming together and communicating in carnal things or even in fleshly things. If you gonna can continue to reap to your flesh, you trying to keep the law in the flesh, which you cannot do, you're going to reap corruption. All you're going to find is that your law-keeping is going to fail. Your flesh is going to reap corruption. You're going to see that every time I try to keep the law, I die. Every time I try to show forth righteousness, I die. Right there. But he says here, he says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. We're going to rejoice in these things forever. So, might as well start getting some good out of it now, right? Whenever we go to heaven, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately a lot of people gonna be uh, pretty, uh, if, they're, if they're there, if they're there, I should say, there are going to be some people are going to be surprised what heaven is all about. You know, heaven isn't about us just running around, jumping from cloud to cloud with our little wings and playing harps and eating grapes being fed to us by some angel or something like that. Heaven isn't about us going and shacking back up with all of our family members that have gone on before us we're going back to see them again and now we're going to continue on as life has always been going on. No, brethren, heaven and eternity is all going to be gathered around the throne worship of Jesus Christ. We're going to be worshiping Christ and God has revealed That Christ in His Word. And why not now begin to experience some of the reaping of the spiritual part that we're going to spend a whole lifetime experiencing? Experience some of that now. For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. If you're going to try to do things in the flesh, you're going to reap fleshly things, and the flesh is going to die and go back to the dust. The flesh can do no no good. It can't do anything pleasing to God. All it's going to be is things. So if you spend your time with your burdens, carnal burdens, and not the burdens and spiritual burdens of your brethren, you're just going to reap carnal things. But there is something about investing and reaping or sowing in the lives of each other. And I'm not talking about the crazy preachers on TV talking about Sow a seed of faith, and send it me your thousand dollars. God's going to give you ten thousand dollars. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sowing into each other this love that we're talking about, this discussion of the gospel, this this encouragement in God's word, this correction and review that the Word of God has been given for us to use. You know, the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for correction, for uh, reproof, for uh, training in righteousness. Uh, these things are given so that the child of grace might be thoroughly equipped for the works of the ministry. What are we ministering? The gospel of Jesus Christ to each other. We're ministering Christ Jesus to each other. See, it all goes around. And I've used this motion 9,000 times this morning. I'm going to have to cut my hands down. He says, verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. This isn't just a song we sing. This is something that the Lord has said and has promised. He says here, let us not be weary in well-doing. Listen, there's going to be times as we are investing and sowing into the lives of people and ministering the gospel among each other by correcting, rebuking, there's going to be conflicts. There's going to be hard times. There's There's going to be times when it's not going to be good. And it's going to become wearisome. You're going to think, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep on? I don't know. You, you can ask my wife. I, I've done it on many occasions. I don't know how many. She might be keeping track, but I don't. I don't know how many times I have said to my wife, "You know, there's little me just thinks that we'll I'll just close this thing up and just go on." There's been a lot of times that I've told my wife, "I'm really." would like to just kind of get away from everybody, everyone, and just kind of be a loner, just me and my family and nobody else. Get away. There's been a lot of times that I've got up in Sunday morning, and, and I'll be honest, this morning was one of them, that I've got up and I'm like, man, I really don't feel like doing this today. I really am tired. I really don't want to do this today. But listen, brethren, our desire for fellowship with each other our desire to communicate the word of god that drive that the holy spirit gives us in these things and praise the lord he does because my flesh would never want to do it my flesh would have stayed in bed this morning daniel texted me this morning and he said are you guys still out of church this morning and everything and i was sitting there was looking at that text to be honest with you daniel i was like Man, I could say no, go right back to bed. Yeah, I was the thing was was I wasn't sure if there was gonna to be today since the Fourth of July is tomorrow. Yeah. I was thinking, if there was not gonna be church today, I could just go right back to sleep. Well that's what I was thinking. That's what I told my wife. I said, Man but you know, there's this desire for this because the Lord has given us this thing. He says let us not be weary. We can become weary in well-doing. We can be weary in this service. Why? Because we are dealing with sinners who are overtaken in fault. We are sinners who become overtaken in faults. And when people are overtaken in faults and they go back to this finger pointing by going back into the law and not remembering that Christ has done this all, and so since Christ has forgiven us of all these sins. We ought to be forgiving to others. We ought to be compassionate with others knowing that we also could be tempted, knowing that we also should take heed how we stand lest we fall. Knowing those things, there could be rub. There could be rub, And it becomes weary, but the Lord is encouraging us to not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap If we fail not, not. even if the Lord doesn't reward us with anything in this temporal life, okay? If he doesn't make anything easier, you know, the Lord may not bring a bunch of people to this church again. Who knows? We don't know. We've experienced in the 12 years that we've been here, it's gone up, it's gone down, it's gone up, it's gone down. It mostly stays down, but it does go up and down occasionally. The Lord sends people our way on occasions. We had a family from Guatemala here for uh, about a year. The Lord's taken them to someplace else now and has is, uh, is, uh, uh, got purpose for them wherever he's got them. He's set their habitation. And so uh, we rejoice in the fact that we had a year with them. Uh, we've had people in the past that's been members of our church who have moved away, some have passed on. We don't know what the Lord does. And we see times of going down, times of going up, and it becomes weary. And we may never see any tangible uh, outward, temporal reward here, but brethren, know this, that he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting, and in due season we shall reap of those spiritual things. What the God has done in this spiritual salvation of his people we will reap all the benefits the Bible says that we are joint heirs with Jesus the Bible says that we have an inheritance and the Holy Spirit is given to us as the promise of that inheritance as the seal showing that God is not finished And as he, we just said right here seen right here that that uh, that uh, that the Lord has uh, has a purpose and that everything that he begins he's going to finish so we have that faith, we have that trust. And so he's telling us, don't be weary in doing this. Don't be weary in this communicating between each other. And he says in verse 10, As we have therefore, so in light of what I just said, as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all. Now the word men there is in italics, it's not in the actual Greek, they've provided this word here to make the flow a little bit better Um, and uh, uh, it's not there, it says let us do good unto all men especially unto them who are the household of faith (coughs) so here we have an admonition to do good, what is the doing good here, is that meaning you know mow their lawn do things I think that's you know good that we do that but again what's the context what are we communicating here what's the fellowship in it's in the gospel as we have therefore opportunity let us preach the gospel let us do good unto all men especially them who are the household of faith why especially them who are the household of faith well it's because they who love to hear that sound I love to tell the story Because I know it's true, it seems hungering and thirsting to those who know it best. I mean, we desire to hear these things over and over again. And then, why do we do it to all men? Because we don't know who the Lord's elect are, right? We don't know who His sheep are, and we don't know who He when He grants them understanding to be able to hear the gospel. So we preach to everybody. I preach to people that, you know, I share the gospel with people that have expressed that they don't like the gospel, that they don't like what we believe. I just continue to keep sharing that because you never know, that person may be a child of God who the Lord has yet to open up their hearing and understanding. And one of these days He will, and that's going to be a comfort to them. It's going to be something that they're going to hear and they're going to love and they're going to have a fellowship with you once in uh, begin to have fellowship with you in and so this is all about not paying the preacher but it's about communicating back and forth this gospel of Jesus Christ worshiping together underneath the faith once delivered to the saints and taking God's word and using that as the uh, as the foundation for reprove and rebuke and correction whenever we are drawn away from the truth and all this is done in love for each other and service to Christ Jesus. Now we'll stop right there if anybody has any questions or any comments to make it now. Lord willing we'll pick up with that here um, next week. Now if you remember not next week, the 10th But on the 17th, we will not be here. So uh, we will not have any uh, services here uh, at the church. Uh, But we'll pick back up on the 24th, Lord willing. But we will be here next week, so Lord willing. All right, anybody got any questions? All right. Lord, we thank you today for your love and your mercy we thank you for Christ Jesus and we thank you for his blood we thank you for his sacrifice, thank you for his life we thank you Father for grace that has been given we thank you for the gospel message that feeds we thank you for the word of God that is given to correct our hearts by the spirits moving and working Father Lord we just pray that you just be with us now as we leave this place that you might keep us safe uh, in any travels that we might be doing over this holiday time Lord we pray that you would uh, just continue to be with this church I pray Lord that if there are any of your sheep that you desire to meet with us that you desire to uh, participate in the service of the gospel here Lord I just pray that you might draw them to hear however it is that you might do it whether we come in contact with them whether they hear about us from the internet or whatever the case might be however it is that you build your church lord we just pray that you would uh you would do that and as you have promised you would lord we thank you for those that have come and gone from here and the times that we've spent and the christ that we have fellowshipped around and Lord, we thank you so much for the investment that they've made within our lives as far as uh, service and and, uh, communicating of the gospel. And Lord, that if there's been any fellowship that has been true fellowship, Lord, we thank you because the Spirit has been there to teach us and to draw and knit our hearts together uh, in that gospel. So Lord, we just once again pray for these things. We pray that this has been honoring to you and exalting of Christ today. And it's in His precious name that we pray. Amen.